0: Hey, what's up guys? This is John Ryan Kane too, and this is Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? God bless you, and welcome to another episode of Leading the Christian Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Ryan Cantu, on the phone today with uh, an incredible pastor and uh, man of God who's been a blessing to my life in the past. I've heard him speak at different youth events when I was younger. He is from, uh, he's from McAllen, Texas. Well, I don't think he's actually from McAllen, Texas, but he's around the area, and he passes a the church there in McAllen, Texas, and uh, we're going to be talking to him about his uh, church and his leadership and going into leadership. I mean, he's got some great insight, and there's some really good nuggets, uh, especially at the end of the show, so make sure that you stay tuned um, throughout the whole conversation, and um, if you like the conversation, you already know what I'm going to ask for. Uh, give us a rating or a review You can do that by going to your podcast app and um, search for leading, and then you scroll down, and there is where you can leave a rating or a review. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't want to take up any more time because I want to get straight to this interview. It was a really good one, and uh, so here we go with Charlie Martinez. All right, guys, help me welcome today's guest, uh, Charlie Martinez. He is the founding pastor of Vital Church in McAllen, Texas. He's a dynamic speaker and minister shaping and impacting lives for as long as I can remember, and I'm very honored to have him on the show today. Uh, Pastor Charlie. what's up, brother?
1: Hey, God bless you, man. It's a joy to hear you and to be on your podcast, man. Congratulations on everything you're doing.
0: Thank you, bro. I I really appreciate that. I, I appreciate you agreeing to uh, to come on. And I know you're, I know you're a busy man. You're a, you're a pastor and, uh, your church. I mean, I've, I've been following what you've been doing, um, kind of since its inception. And, uh, you know, God is, it, it seems like he's really been, uh, his hand has been upon your ministry and your church.
1: Oh, for sure, man. Nothing but the grace of God, you know, it would, uh, not serve me well to take any credit for what God is doing. Uh, this is this is beyond uh, anything that I could muster up, or me and my wife, or our team. Uh, it's definitely a move of God, and so He deserves all the glory, man.
0: Amen, amen. So, uh, how long have you been doing it now, uh, total?
1: So we planted our church six and a half years ago, okay. exact.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Six and a half. Six and a half years. Um, yeah, the beginning I, of two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm excited to to dig in. Um I guess first we can kind of just begin a little bit with with your background, your your uh, superhero origin story, if you will, and uh, kind of <laughs> just uh um for those who who might not know you, uh what can you tell us about kind of your upbringing and um and in Christian culture and how, you know, growing up in church kind of affected who you are today?
1: Yeah, for sure. You said it. I grew up in church by the time I was born. Uh my dad, my mom, they were pastors of uh 5 years. Uh he had been an evangelist. My dad had been for 10 years previous to that. So, I grew up in ministry, grew up in church, literally uh you know, when they say grew up in the pews that really does apply to me. Yeah. Uh you know, so I attended one church. Uh my my childhood, my adolescence, my uh life as a youth, uh eventually Becoming the youth pastor uh, for my dad's church uh, at the age of 21. I started preaching at 16 uh, and uh, eventually became the youth pastor at 21 and served there for 13 years. And I think it was at age uh, 32, 33 that uh, God pressed it on our hearts to uh, plant a church. And so we did that in 2013. And uh, here we are, man. But for sure, just growing up a PK uh, was, uh, vital in our, in our formation into in who we are now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, I, I love talking to pastor's kids because, you know, I, I, I grew up with pastor's kids myself and I'm always sure. just curious, you know, of, of the different, uh, uh, you know, or, or the similarities and that, that we share, cause there's, there's a lot that pastor's kids kind of go through handedly, And, um, For sure. I'm always, I'm always curious as to how it, affects people, because uh, I've seen pastors' kids grow up and kind of not want anything to do with the church, um, and then yeah. I've seen many who, you know, they, they really they, they stick in it, and uh, many times they, they find themselves in in ministries. Was was there any uh, pressure uh, at a young age? I mean, you, you started preaching at 16 years old, and I remember attending, you know, youth rallies, and, and, and you'd be the guest speaker, and I mean, phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you would have us engaged, and You'd have us cracking up with your stories. Uh, <laughs> no. I, I still remember that illustration that you gave or that story that you tell about how you know, uh, how you know when you don't belong in a club, if you're a Christian, um,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way you dance, <laughs> the way you hands,
0: the way that you move your hands, everyone is kind of like going to like a like a rap beat, and you're kind of doing like right, the, right. the the alava hands, you know, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, things like that. I I remember you as a as wow. a speaker, but at, at, at an early age, was there ever any uh, pressure, maybe from your parents or maybe from uh, your church members, to say, hey, you're going to be the next pastor?
1: Yeah, you know that, that I, I wouldn't, depend on my parents, I don't think they were ever uh, so insistent on us, uh, you know, doing ministry. Uh, I think that they had the full expectation. I think they had received a promise from God that their children would serve the Lord. Uh, But I think they were also careful not to impose it on us. Mm -hmm. They were very insistent, however, on us serving God, you know, be it as it may, whether we were going to be professionals or uh, just follow some sort of career or do ministry. Uh, They were very, very adamant and very intentional about getting us involved in church and making sure that we wouldn't stray. Uh, I had a very rigid, very strict upbringing Mm -hmm. and uh like you said earlier, you know, most PK, like most PKs, I too grew up saying, you know, I don't want to do anything in ministry. Uh, my story was I didn't, I, I, I love God. And I said, you know, I just want to be a, uh, a good member of a church and I want to be a professional and I want to make good money and I'll give my tithes and I'll, uh, you know, I'll be a good member. Uh, but when I got into my teenage years, however, you know, my plan was to be a lawyer. Uh, I started dreaming. Uh, But then there was just a radical shift at at a youth convention. And I know you're familiar with those youth conventions. I think you've led worship at those youth conventions that we grew up in. And uh, it was at a youth convention where God really, you know, I had my Moses moment, you know, uh, and uh, really through a vision uh, during one of the nights, uh, you know, one of the preachers uh, was was, uh, anointed and was just preaching. And I had an encounter with God that, that forever shifted my mentality before then. You know, I said, uh, you know, I don't want anything to do with ministry. Then at that age, that was at 15 when that happened, I said, OK, I want i I'll be an evangelist. You know, I'll travel. And I still don't want I still didn't want to do the pastor thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this whole dealing with people. Yeah. I can deal with people on a short term basis. I'll, I'll do hit and runs at churches. You know, I'll go <laughs> in for a weekend and minister and then run out of there. Uh, I didn't want anything to do with pastoring. Uh, But as I began to preach at 16, and then by the time I was 19, God had really opened up some doors, and uh, I was finishing Bible school, and I was traveling already, and uh, I just started getting the same uh, comment from different pastors that I would visit their churches. They would say, look, we know you're an evangelist, and uh, you're itinerating, and you're preaching, uh, but something's different about you. You really preach with a pastor's heart, is what they would tell me. Yeah. And uh, so that was the first inclination I got that perhaps God was pointing me towards a pastoral ministry. And then when my home church asked me to become the youth pastor on a part-time basis, you know, I thought, Hey, it works out. You know, I'll be at church during the week. I'll do my office hours. I'll do the youth service. Uh, You know, we, at that time it was on Tuesdays. I said, I still get to travel weekends, you know, and I, and I, uh, I did it more because it was convenient. And I, and I, I wanted to serve my home church, so I accepted that position and it wasn't really until I got into the trenches with those young people and really learning to love people that I said, okay, all right this trumps you know any other plan that I had uh, I feel like like I need to work with people I need to love on people for the rest of my life mm-hmm. I need to I need to build them and what better way than you know using God's word and God's anointing uh, to draw people to the feet of Jesus and having them uh, see their lives change there, you
0: know. Amen, amen. Uh, I, I, you, you spoke a little bit about your your Moses moment, and I did want to spend a little bit of time, kind of talking about calling, um, because you know, call when it comes to calling into ministry and especially into things like, uh, like like pastorship, um, sure. it's very easy to, um. I guess sometimes confuse emotions with, with God's actual voice. And, um, you know, I was the same way, kind of the same story. And and I I never wanted to be a pastor and, you know, I, I I love same things. I I loved God, Mm -hmm. wanted to serve my church, but, uh, I kind of had a different plan, you know, for my life. Uh, and, and they always kind of you know, joke about that. You know, you, you want to make God laugh. Tell him you got a plan for your life, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that's kind of yeah. what I did. That's kind of what I did in early age. I I uh, had different plans for my for my life, and and God, sure. I, I really believe that He spoke to me um, in in the way not not verbally, but He really, like you said, impressed a pastor's heart on me, and He really gave me a burden. And um, so I'm curious to know how. How it happened for you. Uh I know that you were called into the ministry and it kind of uh, I guess developed from there. Um that's kinda how it happened to me. I, I I kinda jokingly say that God uh tricked me into being a pastor because he called me into yeah, ministry yeah. <laughs> before he actually ca- called me to be a pastor. But it developed Correct, yeah. you know, uh out of out of obedience. So um can you speak to that just just for a moment about calling and, and, and what to do when uh you know taking the next step in in what you believe God is calling you to do um, and kind of discerning that between calling and emotion.
1: Yeah, you said a key word about 30 seconds ago, which I think is uh, very, very important for every believer, and that's obedience. Whenever you're walking in obedience to God, uh, that is when the Spirit will will begin to, to impress upon your heart the direction that He wants you to take, And like you said, I I share the sentiment. I feel I was tricked into ministry uh, because all I was doing was obeying God and kind of going along for the ride that he would take me in. And then all of a sudden, it ended up being uh, a pastoring, you know. I did have, like you mentioned earlier, a Moses moment. For me, it was a vision. Uh, In a vision, I saw myself uh, ministering at that same convention. And in a full circle moment, I think it was 2010 or 2000, somewhere there, uh, I got invited back to minister at that very convention. So that was, that was a, a powerful moment for me, kind of like a full circle moment, uh, that just came as a confirmation, but you know, but what I'm about to say might, might flip some people out because conventional thinking in Christian circles is in that, that you, you, you get a call from God. And yes, we mentioned, uh, the burning bush moment, like a Moses or a blinding light moment, like, uh, like a Paul, uh, but there's also stories in the Bible, for example, like the Levites. Right. Uh, in Numbers, I, I think it's chapter 8, God is very clear about saying that they weren't the initial mm-hmm. chosen ones for ministry. It was it was supposed to be every firstborn of every family of Israel, uh, and he took the Levites in their place. So in essence, God uh, took the Levites, and if you, if you trace it back, what, what would have caused this? We can look back at Exodus, I think it's chapter 32, where uh, the people have erected the golden calf, and they're worshiping, and then Moses comes down from the mountain. Yeah. He's upset. He breaks the tablets. He stands at the foot of the camp, and he says, Whoever is for God, stand with me now. And the Bible says that at that moment, it was the tribe of Levi that stood with yeah. Moses. Yes, And that was the moment where there was a shift. And and God took the Levites to himself in in place of every firstborn child of every family of Israel, Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could point. I could point to the example of uh, Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, we talk a lot, a lot about his calling, but if you study it closely in Scripture, it looks more like he volunteered for ministry. Uh, it, it, you know, he answered a a uh, a question. You know, God uh, said, you know, whom should I send? And and he said, here I am. Uh, send me. Uh, so God did not. address Isaiah in that scripture. It was Isaiah overhearing God saying this question, who will go for us? And so uh, I've learned that the call of God is not for the special few, it is for everyone. Whether or not I hear God's call depends upon the state of my spiritual ears Mm. and the disposition of my heart. You see, God, God did not lay a strong compulsion on Isaiah. Isaiah was simply in the presence of God and realized what God's desire was. Yes. And in conscious freedom, he volunteered. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yes. And so I feel I feel like uh, to whoever might be listening, you might have had a, a burning bush moment, a blinding light moment, or you might be one of these people that you're just so passionate about God. You so love the presence of God that you are seeking after God every yeah. day. And, I'll, and I'm here to tell you that uh, God will uh, sometimes call those people into ministry, even... Even if it wasn't what you planned, even if it wasn't what you had in mind or you, you know, maybe people might say, oh, you weren't groomed for ministry. Uh, but listen, your, your persistence, your hunger for God might have, you know, might have just volunteered you in. And, and I feel that that's, that's also a very real possibility. Mm-hmm. In short, uh, to answer your question, uh, you know, about the, about the call, you know, how do, uh, how do you differentiate calling and, and emotion? I would say the key factor is, is is that calling, is that impression upon your heart, is it relentless? Is it persistence? Because if it's emotion, you know, it'll die down, it'll fluctuate. But if it's if it's really persistent, you can almost bet it's the Lord. Yeah. Where where you'll feel like, you know, I could do something else. And I said, you know, I could I could probably be a lawyer. I could study something else. And and you know what? I think I could I could be successful but is it really going to fill me? Is it going to satisfy me? And my answer to that question was no. I felt that no matter what I did, aside from ministry, no matter what I did and how successful I became at that, if it wasn't in the, if I wasn't doing exactly what God had, had purpose for my life, that it wouldn't bring the satisfaction, the happiness, the, the right. fulfillment that I wanted to, to feel. And, and that feeling never left me. Yeah. And so I feel like uh, your obedience Uh, your your consistency and obedience, and then the persistence of that impression upon your heart or that calling on your life is the telltale sign of whether ministry is for you or not.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, you said a lot of good little nuggets in there. And I mean, really just to kind of piggyback off of, of, of each other. um, I think a lot of people also find, you know, calling in their resistance um, because, you know, just like Moses. when I mean, we we mentioned Moses. Uh, he was he was sure. a little hesitant. You know, he was resistant. Um, he he didn't have confidence in himself. Uh, we think about uh, also also Jonah. You know, the prophet who kind of ran away sure. from his calling. A lot of times, calling isn't always attractive, and uh, you know we see that in Scripture. People run from from their callings, and yeah. and uh, yeah. For, for a while, I felt like I. I was resistant in 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 becoming uh, the pastor that I believe God had called me to be, um, and so in those moments when you know you're feeling like okay, God, this is probably God, but I don't want it to be God. <laughs> I think that's even <laughs> yeah, more yeah. assurance that that it probably is God, and and it's at that moment where we have to be obedient and submit to the one who is calling us uh, into ministry. And, I mean, th- this doesn't just apply to ministry. It, it applies to everything. You know, if God is impressing sure. something upon your heart, um, it's it, it, oftentimes it makes us feel uncomfortable. And that's what God many times calls us to, uh, zones that are not in our mm-hmm. comfort zone. And um, sure. it's really, uh, at that point, uh, just a matter of being obedient. So, uh, yeah, great. Yeah, great I, think,
1: I think that if you, if you find yourself resisting, uh, you know, a call into ministry— you can bet it's God because you know the enemy didn't put that in your heart. You know yeah. that's not that's yeah, not yeah, that's telling you point. need to reach more people. You need to reach the lost. So anytime, and and this is what I tell people: anytime you find yourself battling with God about uh, about ministry, then you can. It's a safe bet that that it's God. Now uh, we would also have to talk about timing because there's people that are called into ministry, and there's no doubt God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. Um, but but we also have to factor in God's timing, and mm-hmm. sometimes. You can make the right decision at the wrong time, and it's still mm. wrong.
0: Good, you know, yes.
1: and and so that's something that I've learned as well. Even us planning the church, for example, uh, in retrospect, people ask me, "Do you feel you left your church at the right time?" I said, "I feel I left two years too late, but I feel that God honored that time that quote unquote I wasted uh, just because I stayed there out of a sense of honor. Uh, I I didn't want to I didn't want to leave too soon. I'd rather uh, err on the on the conservative side and uh, and wait wait too long and then leave too soon you know and I feel that mm-hmm. God has accelerated our growth as a recompense for that honor you know this was my yeah. father this was my church uh, that I grew up in uh, so yeah we I mean we could talk at length about this but I yeah. feel like uh, it, it, whenever you're going to pursue ministry uh, not only should you should you be obedient not only should you feel that pressing upon your heart that desire. Uh, but you should also ask the Lord to lead you as to uh, the timing of everything.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm immediately, uh, you know, taken to uh, David in in the cave where he has the opportunity to take out King Saul, and and David already knows sure. that he's called, but he knows that that's sure. not the moment, um, and it it isn't by his own authority to to put him himself into the office of of kingship. Uh so yeah. yeah, many times, yeah, we have to wait. Even if we know that it's coming, we have to wait for that that moment where God says, Okay, now it's time to step into it. Um so yeah. great, great insight, uh Pastor. Amen. Uh, I wanna I wanna ask you a little bit now about your church. Um I, I'm always excited to to talk to church planters and just kind of see what they've learned. Um, because, sure. you know, myself as a pastor, I, I took over a church that has been well-established for several mm-hmm. decades, and and I know that there's a lot of different challenges that that pastors um, face uh, when they're taking over, you know, uh, an established church as opposed to planning a new church. So I, I like to get, you know, uh, different perspectives. But uh, I want to kind of cool. talk about the process of of, of starting your church, and uh, um, I guess first we can we can and you probably touched on this already a little bit, but um, that calling uh, to start the church. What what made you feel like uh, you know your your hometown, your city needed a new uh, a new church?
1: Yeah, so so I grew up in Westlaco, Texas, which is uh, about twenty minutes east of McAllen, where I pastor now. Okay. And I moved to McAllen when I got married back in 2013 because my wife was from this area. Uh, and so we would make the drive every, every uh, day, basically, and every church service, we'd make the drive um, to, to Westlake. Now, you're, you're from Houston, big town, so 20 minutes is nothing. <laughs> now, nothing. But where you're, when you're from the Valley, most people are used to their church being five minutes down the road, 10 minutes max. So to travel 20, 25 minutes on the freeway and then another five, 10 minutes into town, uh, that it's considered a drive. You know what I mean? And so we would make that drive every, every day. And, uh, you know, we started just seeing the youth ministry thrive and, and, uh, it became kind of the motor of the church. You know, the youth had the energy, they had the strength. Uh, we started pioneering some changes, uh, in the positive, uh, for our church Uh, and, uh, and then, like I said, I, it must have been about the year 2000, uh, I want to say, uh, maybe 2010. Uh, there's this little overpass that we would drive on our way back into uh, into McAllen. And it's kind of high, and you could kind of see about 80% of the city if you if you looked over to your right. Mm-hmm. And just one day, just one day, I got this feeling deep in my heart that you know just a burden just a burden for the city and i tried to ignore it i was like okay what was that you know it was mm-hmm. i was just <laughs> like okay uh it it didn't really make a lot of sense that's the thing about the calling sometimes yeah. it didn't make sense because our youth ministry was thriving i was traveling god was opening doors so it didn't feel like it was the moment for a change yeah. it must have been about it must have been about about a whole year i just ignored it and then about a year later every time i passed through that same overpass, uh, I always caught myself looking in the same direction, feeling the same thing, and then starting to pray uh, to God for our city. And one day, I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, okay, what is it with you and this burden that you're putting in, in our hearts? I said, there's already a lot of great churches in this city. Uh, just for, for context, uh, Ryan, we are, uh, Hidalgo County is the second poorest county in the nation. Um, however, McAllen is probably the best city in the county. And uh, so I said, God, there's already a lot of great churches doing great things. And I started naming the different churches in the area that were doing amazing things and, uh, and were leading the way. And then I, I remember clearly that the Spirit of the Lord in the form of a question impressed upon my heart, what do all those churches have in common? And when I started looking for the common denominator, it's that they were—they all had uh, Anglo or white leadership. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Blessed be the name of the Lord. However, we're in an area where 93% of the population is Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just felt in that moment that there was this void in Hispanic Christian leadership. And uh, without having any guarantees that we would uh, help fill that void, uh, I can say with full confidence that was the the thing that that I felt the spirit made clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a void there, and uh, and you need to do something about it. Yeah. And so, we just started praying and started being intentional about seeking God's will, seeking, like I said, God's timing. Uh, and so, middle of 2012, I uh, I went to my dad and I and I said, uh, Dad, now there's a lot of things that happened that kind of confirmed and uh, you know sure. the timing and everything. And but it was in middle of 2012 that I expressed my heart to my dad. I feel for about three months, three or four months, he didn't take me serious. He didn't, he he was uh, either that, or he was just hopeful that I wouldn't leave. Yeah. Uh, But I told him in June of 2012, Hey, I I think I'm going to end the year, uh, give you six months of transition. I feel God's calling us to plan a church. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until November of that same year where he called me back in and said, okay, remember you said this in June. Does that still stand? I'm like, Oh yeah. I even have a name now. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I have a, a vision, and so then that was the moment that we announced to the church uh, about a month and a half before we left that okay. that we were going to transition out. Okay. And uh, so we left our church basically on a our last service was a new year service because it's tradition at my dad's church they received a new year at church, mm-hmm. uh, and then the following Sunday we were we were opening uh, in McAllen, Texas.
0: Wow! Awesome! Yeah. Awesome! So I, I want to ask you uh, another question that. Um, I, I never really thought about it um, until I started uh, talking to some other uh, church planters. And I have several friends that um, are it, either in the process or they recently uh, started their own church. And, um, yes. you know, I, I talked to them and a lot of them have kind of the same uh, maybe maybe uh, hurdles to get through mm-hmm. in, in that they don't always feel the support of, Uh, other pastors because you know there's always that that sense of oh well you you might take some of my members you know you're gonna need some leaders and you might be trying to you know take my leaders and all that type of stuff now you you had a uh, you were serving under your 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 father for for years before so I'm sure that that wasn't really a really an issue but did, did you kind of face any type of that um I don't know, backlash or anything like that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, in fact, one of the rumors that was going around months into our church plan was that I had divided my dad's church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and that was the furthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was there from day one. He gave us his blessing. He prayed over our church launch. Um, you know, we, I did have about 150 young people in my, in my youth group, you know, when I was a youth pastor. And, and naturally, when we first announced to to my dad's church that I was leaving, uh, a lot of them came and said, "Hey, we want to follow you. Where are you going?" And uh, I wasn't having it because I was like, "This is my dad. This is my home yeah. church. I, God's not calling me to hurt what has been built here." Uh, and I feel like a lot of a lot of you know people that are going into church plants, we need to we need to change that chip, you know, in our minds and that mentality, you know. That we're not we're not going to grow by adopting sheep from another another Amen. fold. We're Amen. gonna, you know, we're going to say we're going to look for the lost and get That's them right. saved and get them uh, and, and disciple them and see them grow. Uh, there was, I believe, I think like uh, six young people uh, from our youth ministry that were very insistent that they felt from the Lord that they needed to help us and. So I said, well, you know what? I'm not going to advocate for you. This is between you and, and your church and your pastor. You're going to have to talk to your pastor and get his blessing. And if you don't get his blessing, I'm not taking you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, my father was very gracious. He was happy to see those people uh, come and help us. And uh, and yeah, so from, from day one, you know, we started, I, I, it was a group of 10. Our, our Let's say our core group was 10 people. There was six young people. There was this couple, which happens to be my wife's cousin and his and his wife, and uh, one of my best friends and uh, and then myself and my wife, and I, at that time our our only baby now, you know, now we have two boys. Mm-hmm. but uh, uh, that's kind of how we started. Yes, and we did get some of that backlash. Uh, another thing that that didn't help us in that regard, Ryan, was us having made the decision to not plant under the covering of our denomination. You know, I'd, I'd grown up, I'd grown up in, in that denomination. I studied in that denomination uh, and we just made a vision decision. And and one of the things that factored in was that, as we mentioned earlier, I was traveling and I was ministering and probably every church of God, uh, every, every uh, Sunday's God church in the Valley uh, had had me at one point or another ministering, you know, to their youth. And so I just wanted a shy so far away from that stigma of uh, wanting to pull people from churches that I said, I don't want any pastor to think that I spent my years as an evangelist, uh, you know, uh, uh, mustering up my influence to then pull people out of their churches. Uh, So it was, it was a vision decision. The other thing I felt we needed to make a statement, I share some people call me Charlie, but I, in reality, my legal name is the same as my dad's. And so Mm -hmm. they, uh, associated with my dad by our name, associated associated me with my dad, uh, me being his youth pastor. And I felt we needed to make a statement that our vision uh, was just going to be different. You know, it was just going to be a different culture, a different vision, the same objective, the same word, the same doctrine, uh, but just a different vision. And so well, we felt that we had to kind of cut the umbilical cord. And uh, so in that regard, you know, what I'm telling you now most people didn't know. And so a lot of assumptions were made, you know, and there was assumptions, even that I had adopted, I had adopted some sort of new doctrine that I was a neo Pentecostal that, you know, (laughs) that I had just kind of gone off the deep end. So those were, I want to say the first year and a half, maybe two years, Uh, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt. I'll just say that we were misunderstood. We were misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like everything that is birthed out of the heart of God, uh, longevity is your friend. And when, when people see that you persevere and that you start uh, being fruitful where you were planted, uh, those are things that people cannot argue against. Yeah. And I felt like at the two-year mark, two-and-a-half-year mark, we started turning a corner there and uh, kind of shedding that stigma. And now, by the grace of God, Uh, We're in a position where we're able to influence the churches. We have had uh, ministry teams from other churches come and shadow our teams. We have sent personnel from our staff to go uh, help other churches install uh, equipment to install ministries. We have had church administrators come and shadow my wife, who is a church administrator. Uh, We've been able to uh, establish a conference for youth that a lot of other churches send their youth to. Uh, we have a leadership conference now that other pastors attend. And so just by the grace of God, we've turned that corner. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty normal, like you said, uh, for those first few years yeah. to be uh, at best misunderstood, criticized. Um, but, you know, as one pastor put it, you know, he he was talking about how his church was growing and growing and growing. And, and, and there was another church that was very critical of them. And, and, and so this pastor cried out to the Lord. and He said, Lord, make them stop. Make them stop wow. uh, attacking us. Make them stop criticizing us. And he said that the Lord spoke to him and said, OK, then I'm going to stop blessing you. If that's what you want, I have to stop blessing you. And uh, mm. and so he understood, hey, it's part of the package. As yes. the Lord blesses you, uh, you, not only are you going to have more blessing, you're also going to have more haters. And uh, yeah. uh, But if you want the Lord to continue to bless you, you kind of have to accept that as your reality and say, well, uh, I'm not going to give people a reason to 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 criticize or to to lash out against us. Uh, but if they do, we're going to take it in stride, and we're going to remain obedient and focused on the call of God over our lives.
0: Amen. You know, starting anything new um, is a very complex process. Launching something is a very uh, complex process. I mean, there's a lot of sure. Uh, there's a lot of nerves. There's kind of some uncertainty, and then there's a lot of critics and people giving you their opinions. And um, a, for a leader, that kind of weighs that has the potential to weigh on you and weigh you down. And and um, I, I recently said on another podcast, that this was a podcast that I did solo, um, just on a, a few things that I've learned in leadership, is that many times God speaks to you. And he gives you vision. He gives you word. He gives you a, a, a burden. And many times we we like to sit on that a little bit. We like to pray about it. If you're anything like me, I, I'm a little analytical and I, I don't want my emotion to to get the best of me. So a lot of times I want to know that it is God. Um, and, and when I receive that confirmation, many times I still <laughs> I, I'm still a little analytical. So I start to share my my vision, my dreams with other people. Um, And and, and too many times before, um, they've given me their feedback, their criticism, their thoughts. And um, what ends up happening is God's original word and vision that He had given to me as the leader becomes diluted by the thoughts and the opinions of other people. And so it's very... It's very tempting to kind of second guess yourself, especially when you're you're really feeling the pressure and you're feeling the heat. And like you said, you're you're getting the haters and the naysayers. Um, But those who, you know, press through and and persevere, I mean, they're the ones that are going to get past that launch phase. And they're going to they're going to be cruising into into greatness and into blessings. That's what that's what sounds like like happened to you. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. grateful that you're able to Absol- kind of speak to that.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you touch and you touch on a chord there, uh, dear to my heart. Because in retrospect, when people ask us, you know, how did you launch and uh, what model did you use or what program, uh, I look back and I say, man, we did it all wrong. Because you know, <laughs> now now I hear about all of these uh, models and ministries that will help you launch and. Uh, But going back to that word that we talked about earlier, obedience, I felt that we were just obeying God and that, you know, I feel like God looked at us like almost like, man, you're naive enough to have faith Mm -hmm. that this is going to (laughs) work. You know what I mean? And because we basically, I went to a friend and I said, lend me $5,000. And he was like, for what? When are you going to pay me back? I Mm -hmm. said, I'll pay you back in three months. I'm going to plant a church. And so with $5,000, I went and bought some speakers, went and bought a couple of microphones. I bought a cajon. I bought uh, a, a laptop. I bought a, uh, a camera from Sam's. Uh, we were live streaming from day one. We were nice. in a hotel conference room, but we were live streaming from day one because that that was our vision. You know, We were like, you know what? We're going to use every resource available to us, every technology available to us. And uh, that was, you know, going back, to what you mentioned earlier, what were some of the challenges? Well, some one of the challenges was from us launching independently was we didn't have it, we didn't have a covering, we didn't have resources, we didn't have money. Um we didn't have anybody to finance the the vision, but but God, Ryan, when you walk in obedience with God, that's the best strategy. I'm not against church growth strategies. I'm not against church planting strategies and models. I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. But I feel that when you are obeying God, whatever the strategy is, it's going to work, because the ultimate strategy is obedience. Amen. And when you're walking in obedience with God, He's going to put the resources in place. He's going to point you to the right people. Amen. He's going to take you down the right avenues. Yes. And uh, I think that's just the major, the major, major thing. And if I were to just tell you some of the ways that God pulled through for us, uh, you know, I don't know, we'll have time. But man, I'd love to share just a couple of stories of God's provision yeah, uh,
0: and I'm sure it would encourage somebody. Oh, absolutely, and it, it it often does, and and when you are walking in that obedience, I mean, there's there's really no there's nothing that can go wrong that will be uh, permanent because if it does, but you're being obedient, you know, you know that God's going to take care of it, and so um, yeah, I, I often I often try to you know live my life as as going with the flow, but. God's flow, you know, because if if I'm going with God's yeah. flow, everything is going to be everything going to be okay. I'm I'm, I'm under His and covering, His blessing.
1: Correct, and that's not to say you shouldn't seek counsel. You mentioned earlier, you go to people, you get feedback. Mm-hmm. That's obviously biblical, you know. Yes. Um, you know, many advisors will will prove successful, uh, but but at the same time, like you said, you have to be careful that that doesn't dilute sure. uh, the original vision that God put in your heart. The other thing that we, the big mistake we make sometimes is we seek constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's another, uh, you know, issue that, uh, sometimes it's our own fault, you know? Uh, and so we got to go to people that are, that are proven that have, uh, walked, uh, the walk and that can now make a, a you know, a tangible deposit into our vision and into our ministry. Amen.
0: And hey, Matt, I want to ask you uh, about the, the name of your church, because obviously, you know, the vision played a very yeah. in, uh, important part in, in the name of it. Um, sure. So Vital Church, what, 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 uh, where did that come from, other than God?
1: So, <laughs> yeah, so, so when we were in, in youth ministry, I grew up in an all-Spanish church, mm-hmm. and youth ministry was the only thing that we did bilingual. So when uh, we launched this church, uh, Vital Church, we, uh, like I mentioned earlier, felt that there was a void in Hispanic leadership, Hispanic Christian leadership. So right away, we felt that this would be a bilingual ministry. So when we started thinking of a name, a church name, uh, like everybody else, you want to pick, you want to choose a name that, that tells a story, that somehow provides an identity to your church but but the added challenge for us was to look for a name that uh would be spelled uh similarly in English as it was in Spanish yeah. and we we had a couple of names in mind uh, and uh, vital was not one of them and then you know we had a couple of names that were similarly there was probably a letter that you had to change to to write it in Spanish as opposed to English mm-hmm. Uh, and then just one morning, one morning I just woke up and the first thing that popped into my mind was Vital Church or Vital. And I kind of shook my my wife awake and she was like, what's going on? I said, I have the church name. And it's spelled exactly the same in English as it is in Spanish. And, uh, you know, Googled right away, you know, I had a general idea of what vital means, but, you know, I wanted a formal uh, definition, you know. And there was two definitions that I said, this is exactly what I want our church to represent so vital means uh, full of life. Number one and number two, uh, indispensable. Something that you cannot live without. And I said those are two characteristics that I want uh, to define our church. You know that it be a place that is full of life, and that our people would feel I can't live without without my church. You know I can't live without my spiritual family. So man, we just felt from that moment on, this is it. There was uh, there was no doubt about it. That was our church name it was nice and short uh it was uh easy to memorize it was spelled the same in english as in spanish and it and it meant the same thing in english as in spanish and so we just ran with it man just ran with the the name vital and then we chose a, a vital green cuz green uh it signifies vitality or life and so uh we designed our logo or had it designed rather with that uh that green color and uh you know the rest is just it's history man
0: yeah uh, and it looks, I mean, it looks great. I mean, it's great, great branding, great, great logo. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, there's purpose behind that, that name. You know, sure. we're, we're actually, un, we've been thinking uh, about changing our, our church name um, to, sure. you know, to something that is um, now something that is, you know, something that is kind of intentional sure. about our, our current ministry right now. And, um, good, you know, we're, we're in that process. Uh, I'm, you know, we've already spoken about it to, to our English ministry. I'm not sure how our Spanish ministry is going to take it. They're a little bit more, you know, they're a little bit more old, you know, a little bit more traditional. <laughs> sure, and, sure. Uh, you know, change,
1: let's just say change is difficult for them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No,
0: definitely, definitely. But yeah, I, 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 think, I see the importance of, you know, the church name being something that it, it's kind of your identity, you know. Um, and, yeah, and so, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that, that's that's and we've actually
1: like... we've actually gotten in this day and age of social media and Internet. We've actually had people show up at our church that uh, they'll come and say, you know, we have a connection card and we'll ask, how did you hear about us? And and when they put social media or Internet, whatever, um, there's a follow up question. And uh, we've actually had several times had several families say the name just stood out and it just mm-hmm. it kind of birthed in us uh like, hey, that name sounds Sounds pretty cool. It sounds like there's a life in that church, and uh, and that's that was it for them to just come and check it out, and and now they're uh, you know faithful members serving, and uh, so so yeah, the church, especially in our day name, the church name has uh, it is important. Yeah, you know, it, sh- it should convey what you represent. Absolutely,
0: definitely. Um, just a couple more questions here, brother. Uh, I want to ask about your leadership uh, getting started because I feel for church planters uh, a lot. You know, they're 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 dealing with many times lack of resources, and you mentioned, you know, some financial, yeah. uh, some financial hurdle, hurdles that you had to kind of jump through. Um, but, yeah. but another one is kind of a lack in, in, in leadership. Um, when, I think of, when I think of church planters, I, I naturally think about uh, Noah building the ark, and he's, you know, he's got to recruit yeah. his own family because there's like no one else that, that he can kind of you know, take from. So um, how did sure. you deal with that um, in, in the beginning?
1: Man, it, it was such a challenge because uh, in the beginning, my wife and I were doing everything, um, you know, we were the only uh, leaders and, uh, you know, we didn't have any money to pay anybody. We couldn't pay ourselves. We went six months without a salary. So those were trying times for us. Um, so the, I guess the uh, silver lining behind us starting small, was that we were kind of able to get away with it and then kind of build leaders as we grew. Um, we didn't have, uh, when I say that we did it wrong, we didn't, we didn't have a youth leader, we didn't have a children's ministry, uh, we didn't have a worship leader, like we, everything was like by committee, you know, and anybody and everybody who wanted to participate is like, hey, you know, if your dog wants to be a part of this, we will we'll get him involved because we just, we were desperate for bodies. Yeah. It was just for just for somebody to, to help us. Um, so that was, that was a big challenge, but you know what, in in retrospect, it's probably the best thing that could have happened to us. Um, as I speak to you now, we probably have, uh, I want to say about 11 or 12 full-time staffers. Wow. And then we have another 10 part-time wow. staffers at our church and something that I can say so, so proudly. And and, and this is a, 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 uh, a clean kind of pride, you know, uh, a righteous pride, is that there's not a single member on our staff that wasn't a volunteer first. Um, you know, I know we live in a in in a hiring culture, and there's nothing wrong with it. And and people, hey, we'll find out what somebody else is doing in another church and who that person is leading that ministry, and why don't you offer them a better package, a better salary, and bring them over? And, and uh, all right, we can we, that can that can be another conversation for another day. Uh, but for whatever reason, I'm a little bit old school like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to pull anybody from the church. I'm going to let God, I'm going to let God do what he needs to do. And, um, you know, for us, a heart for people is the most important quality that we're looking for in a leader. Uh, we feel, we feel that if it's, you know, growing up, growing up as PKs, Ryan, you know this, we know a little bit of everything concerning church, like, Uh, you know, I grew up, and at, at 13, I was teaching a, a five the five-year-old at Sunday school. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I could teach kids. I I was a youth pastor. Uh, I led worship. Uh, I could play a couple of instruments. Uh, so we felt like you we need to find the people that have a heart for people because we can't change that. Only God can do that, and we're not God. And so right. uh, even if they're not fully equipped, we can train them. We can work with them. We can grow together. Um, but heart is, is uh, an essential. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's indispensable. So uh, that's kind of how we built our, our church culture uh, and, and how we faced the challenges. Um, we did not have, we grew, we grew to about 400, I want to say about 400 members before we hired our first, uh, our first staff member. And so you can imagine how me and my wife are being stretched so yeah. thin. If I could go back and change something, it would be that, that I would have started with a little bit uh, better team. Uh, and when I mean better, I'm not, I'm not knocking any of the people that started with us. I think that it's on us that we weren't more intentional about having people in place before we launched, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I say when I say that we did it wrong, those are some of the things that, mm-hmm. that I'm referring to, you know, that yeah. we didn't have uh, specific uh, roles for people like we had some people that were with us. We just didn't have specific roles in place mm-hmm. um because we felt that we didn't have the resources to, you know, to offer anything back, Yeah. you know, Yeah. Uh, but God has been so good and so gracious that that uh, now we have a phenomenal team. Great staff, great volunteers. God
0: is so good, man. Amen. Amen. And I, I appreciate you kind of sharing, you know, some of the things that you would do differently. Um, because, you know, a lot of times people listen to to leaders and people of influence and they just assume that, you know, they they've got it all they they they're just they're special you know and, mm, and uh yeah yeah and i'm I'm sure you are special <laughs> pastor uh but you know <laughs> no, I get you I, I, you know what I mean like um we're we're all human, we all make mistakes, and we many times we're we're kind of just learning as we go and um sure. so it, it it's always good and and encouraging to kind of hear um someone who's you know God is really just blessed. Um, you know say something like that uh, you know, back into the to the beginning things that they would do differently so thank you I, yeah um i want to want to ask you a big question here um sure. because i've 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 been you know dealing it dealing with it here in my life and and uh, still kind of going through the learning curve um so i know you were under your your father's leadership there at your church and uh for for many years and you know as a youth pastor and uh now when you become a lead pastor, it's it's completely different. There's uh there's really no one else's leadership that you can fall on on your organization. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times uh if we're under someone else's leadership, it, it's it's tempting for us to um sometimes pass the blame. Um, you know, I I never encourage yeah. that, but it, it's kind of that temptation that's there. Well, okay, yeah, it, it's it's because I wasn't I wasn't told or no one communicated that to me. And um, now, when you're in that position of of leadership, you you are on you know you, this is this is your your church and you're you're the lead pastor of it. Uh, you're kind of the chief visionary, you know, um, as God has given it to you. Um, so now, anything that goes wrong is 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 on you and anything that yeah. goes right you know i i i hear great leaders say that good leaders take all the blame and give all the credit um so it's like yeah. nothing yeah. good ever really falls on the leader but everything that's bad kind of does so how was that transition from being under someone else's leadership for so many years to now becoming um the the main you know the, the lead pastor the, the main leader
1: yeah um I think that the key is surrounding yourself with the right people, precisely because the level of responsibility is now greater, as you said. Um, You have to not only surround yourself, when I say surround yourself by the right people, it's not just staff, it's not just volunteers, but it's also mentors. Um, And one of the things that uh, I've been able to do by the grace of God is rely on men and women of God that have been through what what we're going through now that are doing it at at perhaps even a greater level than we are and that can really provide insight and deposit wisdom Um, there's a couple of pastors that i will call Mm -hmm. whenever i face any challenge precisely because i know that the responsibility is bigger and the buck stops here basically I'm like, okay, before I make this decision or before I deal with this issue or deal with this problem or this family that's going through a crisis, let me ask somebody that uh, that might have already been through it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a couple of pastors that I'll call that I'll say, hey, pastor, I need your wisdom. I'll text them. I need your wisdom. And they'll call me, okay, what's going on? And I said, well, look, this is the first time I confront a situation like this, and I'll describe the situation. And uh, every single time, Ryan, I can tell you, they said, oh, yeah, I've had oh, yeah. that happen to me. Oh, Listen, yeah. this is what, how we dealt with it, or this is what worked. Uh, this is what didn't work. This is what not to do. Uh, and that has really been such a blessing. I think that when you hold yourself accountable to people, even though you're a leader, you have to have mm-hmm. leaders.
0: That's exactly you know what I mean? Right.
1: Yes. Uh, and you also have to check yourself and hold yourself accountable to your own congregation, I think that in church circles we preach a lot about honor, but we preach it in, as, as if it's a one-way one-way street. You know, mm-hmm. honor the pastor, honor the house, honor the leaders. And I think pastors, as pastors and leaders, we need to honor the house and we need to honor our, uh, you know, uh, constituents or our congregants. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this this past uh, Sunday, uh, there was one phrase, and I, I didn't think it was a big deal, uh, but as I was preaching. There was this one phrase that for whatever reason, it impacted a lot of people. And I got messages and emails and, and DMs about this one particular phrase. And the only thing I said is that I said, the day that I stop preaching the true gospel, it's your time to leave this church. And um, and I just said it kind of off the cuff. It wasn't even, even in my notes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the feedback that I got was like, wow, Pastor, like, uh only a kingdom-minded pastor would say such a thing. Uh, another comment that I got is like, it tells us really where your heart is, that it's not about building your own kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, this is not about you. This is about about God. And for you as our pastor to tell us, if ever uh, anything but the gospel is preached from this platform, it's time for you to leave, uh, you know, that's that's bold. And, and one of the things that I answered to one of those comments was, hey, I feel like Church leaders, we hold a lot of people accountable, but we have to hold ourselves accountable as well. Yep. Yep. And uh, and that's kind of a way, saying those types of things periodically, uh, not that I do it as a strategy. It, it, those are things that are really my heart. But I think that being able to say that openly to our church is also a way to, to keep yourself in check mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, influence and power and success. Uh, can really do a number on you if you don't stay grounded, oh, you know. And can really lead you astray if you don't stay grounded. So, as you said, yes, the responsibility is bigger, so is the level of influence. So it's it's like a it's like a double edged coin or it's a two two faced coin. You know what I mean? A double edged right. sword. Uh, on one end, you have greater influence. On Another end, you have greater uh, responsibility. And I think you just have to be that much more wiser. You have to be mm-hmm. slow to speak. Yes. Uh, and quick to listen. Yes. Um, you have to, again, have a, a heart for people when you deal with church conflict, church discipline, or anything like that. Uh, it's always, uh, without malice, it's always protecting the hearts of the people uh, that you lead, uh, mm-hmm. because you can really damage people. I think it's understanding that as you grow and as your leadership gains influence, your words are weightier. And so anything you say uh, can really, if you're careless with your words, you can really hurt some people, you can really damage families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just have to be as leaders extra careful with that influence that God has given us. And then, of course, uh, as I said earlier, go to, to your own leaders and your own counselors and hold yourself accountable uh, and, and try to, you know, just kind of compensate for, uh, for that level of responsibility by, by being as wise as possible.
0: Amen. Uh, you, you said it perfectly. Um, and recently, I've, I've um, kind of gotten some some pastors to kind of be my pastors. Um, sure. Some people that I can just go to and and uh, release. You mm-hmm. know, everything that's going on in my mind, uh, whether that be frustration or just maybe confusion. Um, because like you said they they've been there before and they can provide good in- yeah. insight. Every leader does need a leader, every pastor I believe needs a pastor. Um and so when when you step into that position at least uh, this is the way that it happened for me, it was th- the calling was already there. It was it was impressed on me and the burden to to step up to it was was great. But when I actually stepped up to it, it's like it became even stronger because I felt like well, now I'm in this moment and i am i i'm i'm there's a lot more responsibility and uh yeah. care and nurture and there's 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 a lot of people here that i'm i'm going to be leading so i have to make sure that i you know act as wisely as as i can that i um you know that that i am nourishing my spirit and growing in wisdom and, and knowledge so that i can be my absolute best um and so For sure. I feel like, you know, the leadership training doesn't begin before you, you become the leader. It actually begins when you're in leadership. and That's that's kind of Absolutely. what I what found in my life. A lot um, of it is hands-on training. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Pastor, I mean, we're, 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 we'll kind of wrap up here now. Man, we've been talking for a good hour. It uh, didn't even feel like it, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. I, I do want to just ask, uh, maybe one last question. Um, sure. What are what are some of the and we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are some of the things that you've learned during this process of of you know church planning and, and pastoring and leadership? You've been doing this now for you said six years. Um, yes. What are some of the maybe the the key lessons that you've learned? Whether that be one, two, or three. Uh, something that you okay. didn't know six years before y- you know you started this process
1: um, so so I, I think there's two things that stand out. there's probably more, but in this moment, I can think of two. Um, the first thing the first thing that I've learned is that I am approved of God and his approval facilitates my being able to do things well uh his approval facilitates my performance now th- that might not be like a, like it might not sound like a major lesson but you gotta understand when you grow up a pk and i'm sure you'll relate to this we were almost groomed to become uh approval addicts you know it was like we had th- that famous phrase that every pk has heard is you have to be the example for everybody else <laughs> and so we we grew up with this pressure yes it's a blessing to grow up a pK in so many levels but but it had its challenges too and uh and one of the things was that we always had to be mindful of uh people's perception of us and our family and then there was things that we would do that our parents would get knocked for you know we were just being human we were being teenagers we were being rebellious whatever it was and uh, our parents would suffer for it and so it's almost like Uh, unwittingly, we were groomed to just become addicted to people's approval. And so one of the tricks when you get into pastoring and leading people is uh, you already come in with that uh, approval addiction, and now even more so because now, now you're leading, now you're pastoring, and you want everybody to like you, and you want everybody to leave blessed, and you want everybody to receive something from your message, and you want to make everybody happy. And one of the things I've learned is like, not even Jesus could make everybody happy. (laughs) He wouldn't have gotten crucified, you know? And this is the most perfect human being that ever lived, because, of course, he was 100% God, and he was 100% man at the same time. Uh, He never sinned, never made uh, a mistake, and yet he couldn't make everybody happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one of the things that I've learned is, you know, with people, it is your performance that facilitates their approval. With Ooh. God, it's His approval that facilitates your performance. Ooh, and I think that that Jesus is uh, the the greatest example of that. Uh, it was the beginning of His ministry. He's being baptized in the water by John, uh, and and the Bible says in that famous scene of of, of the Trinity, right? The mm-hmm. the voice from heaven of the Father, uh, the Spirit descending upon Him like a dove, and Jesus in the water. But the voice of the Father says this. It says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And this is before Jesus has performed a single miracle. Mm-hmm. This is before Jesus has preached a single sermon. I think this is God saying, I approve of my son because he's my son. I approve of him not because of his performance, but because of his relationship to me. Mm-hmm. And that was what Jesus needed as a human being, as, as somebody, sub, you know, uh, subject to a, a, a body of flesh. That's the approval he needed to go on and perform the miracles, to go yes. on and preach, to go on and change the world. And see, with people we're used to that. It's how we perform that's going to give us their approval. But with yep. God, God says, no, I approve of you first, and that's going to empower you to perform well. Amen. So that's one of the major uh mind shifts that has helped me in my in my ministry mm-hmm. and in my leadership yes the 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 other thing. Uh, and this is probably a little bit more practical in terms of people is, and I think this is super important for anybody who's in church leadership to understand, um, because I grew up in a very rigid, strict upbringing, uh, you know, it was almost like the church back then, we would police people and we wanted to, changed the way they dressed and the way they talked and what music they were listening to and what places they were going to and who they hung out with. Uh, and, and we grew up in that type of environment. And I remember that one of the greatest lessons that I learned in leadership came a few months before we planted the church. Uh, my, my father-in-law, who is also a pastor, um, I remember when I would hear him preach, he almost sounded angry. It's like he he would, he would preach and he sounded mad. And I would be like, man, what's going on, you know? And then all of a sudden, months before we plan our church, there's a change. There's a change in his tone when he preaches. His his face looked different. He, he felt more at peace and he, with more ease. And it just felt like a burden had been lifted. And he was more loving and more in touch with the people and hence more impacting. And I remember that one day at the dinner table, I couldn't help myself. And I said, I said hey, uh, father-in-law, what? I said, what changed? Uh, You used to be angry when you preach, and now I notice you different. And I'll never forget that he told me, you know what? He says, I learned a a very big lesson. Now, he's been in ministry for decades, you know? And so he was like, you're right. I was angry because I would preach uh, against this and against that, and I would notice that the people wouldn't change, you know? Mm -hmm. So when they wouldn't respond to what I was preaching about, then I'd come back the next Sunday, and I'd preach it harder and meaner and, Mm -hmm. you know, And I was getting frustrated and I was getting, uh, angry, you know, and, and then that was, uh, that was coming across in my message. And he said that one day he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, my people don't listen to me. Uh, they don't, they don't take anything and put it to practice, whatever I'm preaching. And he said that the Lord spoke to him. And here's the phrase that I want everybody to remember. He said that the spirit spoke to him, and he said, it's because I called you to be a pastor, not a policeman. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that that phrase, my God, I told my wife, I said, we are not going to police people. We're going to shepherd people. Uh, and we're not, we're not going to get caught up on the results. Our duty to God is obedience. And God's, it, uh, God's end is results. So we need to be obedient to God's call in our lives. And whatever people do with what we preach, with what we teach – Whatever people do with whatever the Spirit is leading them to do, whatever God does in their hearts, that's God's job. Yes. I feel as pastors, sometimes we we want to take, unwittingly, we want to take the place of God. And we want to change people forcefully. And that's when our ministries become stagnant, and we mm-hmm. become frustrated, and we become angry, and we, we we become mean as as we preach and as we deal with people. Yeah. We're frustrated because we're not seeing the results that we want. And we forget that results are up to God. Yes, And so I feel that that's been one of the keys. Uh, you know, when people ask, you know, what's one of the keys to your growth? I point to this one key. I feel that God is, has uh, blessed us because we have focused on our calling, which is to preach and to pastor. Amen. Amen. We're not spiritual policemen, you yeah. know, uh, and and we're not going to dig into everybody's social media and we're not going to uh, spy on people. and We're not going to be looking over mm-hmm. our shoulder everywhere we go to see what our people are doing. Yes. No, we're going to rest it in God's hands. And we're going to focus on loving, preaching and shepherding the people and allowing the spirit of God to make the internal change before it's outwardly manifested. I feel as uh, leaders sometimes we want to see them change visibly and on the outside kind of like uh, that uh, that cripple that was brought before Jesus, mm-hmm. those four friends that brought him in through the roof of the house, and and Jesus says, "Son, your 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 sins are forgiven." And the Bible says that the Pharisees thought to themselves, "Where does he get the authority to forgive sins?" And you got to understand that declaration, "Your sins are forgiven," to Jesus from Jesus rather, uh, it messed with the theology of the Pharisees because. You got to remember back then they thought if you were ill it's because you had sinned or your parents had sinned. Mm-hmm. So they say how can his sins be forgiven and yet he's still lying on a mat? And then Jesus says, "Well, so that you can see that I have the authority to forgive sins, now I'm going to heal him. Take up your mat and go home and walk." And and so Jesus Jesus healed him. But the 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 lesson there is that his sins had been forgiven before he was walking. And yeah. so sometimes We have to remember that there are people that are going to come to Christ in His grace. He is going to forgive them. He's going to declare them righteous before God. He's going to clothe them with the righteousness of Christ, even if it doesn't immediately manifest outwardly. It doesn't mean their sins are not forgiven. You know, it means that they're going to enter a process of sanctification and regeneration. And we need to leave that process up to God. Yes, we're leaders. Yes, we'll guide the way. Yes, we'll disciple them. But ultimately, it's God who effectuates the change and not us. Amen. And so those two things, uh, yeah. in short, just to summarize, those two lessons are, uh, with people, performance facilitates their approval. With God, His approval facilitates your performance. Amen. And the second lesson is uh, that we're called a pastor, not to police.
0: Amen. Those are some great lessons um that first of all I, i'll speak i'll speak to the latter because it's, it's fresh on my mind but um sure. i called you to be a pastor not a policeman that is so i think that's very liberating for a pastor because um i too have have preached out of anger and uh sure. you know led worship out of out of anger and wondered why no sure. one was lifting their hands and no one was passionate with their worship outwardly Correct. and uh and so it, it is very liberating when you realize that hey God has called you to simply be the mouth the mouthpiece, uh not the enforcer, yeah. you know, not not uh not the judge, you know. Um and, and so it is Ryan, it, and that that
1: word that you use, that's the exact word hmm. my father in law used. Hmm. It was liberating when the Lord spoke to me. Yeah. He said, It was liberating. It took the burden off of me, you know. Yes. I was carrying a burden that didn't belong to me. I was trying to change people forcefully, and that's not my job, mm-hmm. you know.
0: That's so good. Yeah. So praise God. Yes, praise God. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to steal that quote and uh <laughs> that's, Oh that's for sure, no good. problem. That's <laughs> or borrow it. Um uh, and, and, and then to the to the former, um that that lesson I have I have learned recently. Um yeah. that and, and this is something that I spoke uh about on on my solo podcast and I've already mentioned it uh two podcasts already, (laughs) so my listeners are probably getting tired of me saying it, but I just have to say it because um, confidence, confidence not in yourself, but confidence in the God who already approved you. Sometimes we are second-guessing ourselves because we want to, like you said, we're addicted to approval, to the the approval of other people, and because of that, um, because of that, we second-guess what God has, you know, the, the role that He has called us in. Um, and so we don't yeah. make decisions. Like, like I said earlier, sometimes we don't make decisions even though God has called us to make them because we want other people to approve them first. And um, that that really paralyzes our leadership. So those two things are are incredible, very insightful. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Don't mention I, it, man. My pleasure. Praise yeah, God. Yes, praise God, brother. I, I want to... Um, I would love to visit your church next time I'm in, uh, McAllen and, uh, you know, see what you're doing over there. And, you know, I, I I see your little sermon clips on, on social media and every time I'm like, man, this is, this is some great stuff. God has really anointed (laughs) you and he's using you. And, um, I'm going to continue to pray for your, your leadership and your, your church. And, um, I don't know if there's any information that you could leave with anyone as, 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 as in terms of how to maybe get a hold of you if they want to book yeah. Charlie Martinez. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, anytime you want to come, you tell me the date and we'll make sure
1: we'll host you. Uh, we'll host you with, with the A-list treatment. All right. All right, we'll, all right. we'll treat you well. <laughs> We'd love to have you. And yeah, if people wanna just either follow us or get a hold of us, obviously social media right now is a, a very effective means of uh, staying connected. So you can you can look me up at uh, uh, Charlie at C H A L I, C H A L I, and then the last name Martinez, Charlie Martinez. Uh, that'll be uh, my tag on Instagram or Twitter, at Charlie Martinez. And uh, you can also look for me under Charlie Martinez on Facebook. Uh, I think my personal page is uh, full, but I have also a a public profile or a ministry page. Uh, so either one of those, uh, Charlie Martinez. and uh, And then our church uh, office, if you want to get a hold of my assistant, uh, her name is Damanis, and you can dial nine five six three twenty two. Forty-nine zero nine. That'll be nine five six three two two forty-nine zero nine. And you can get a hold of her uh, if any booking requests or things like that. She'll handle that calendar for me. Uh, I'd love to serve anybody in any way, shape, or form that we can. That's what
0: we're here for. Well thank you brother you've been a blessing to um, to me to my life and I I know you're going to be a blessing to everyone who listens to this podcast. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your your busy schedule and uh talking with me.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for having me and I just I, I just want to say this last word. I just I want to thank you and your family uh because your church is one of those churches that believed in me when nobody knew who I was mm. before I was a pastor before Uh, most people saw any potential in me, dating back to your grandfather. Uh, I remember going in and preaching and speaking for him, and then obviously your father, and then uh, now seeing you take the helm of of that leadership and that church. Uh, We just want to say we're proud of you, and we're very grateful for your family. It's a kingdom family that has really, really impacted so many lives and has left their mark, and we're just glad to see... That that's going to continue in your in your ministry in your life and we declare it over your children as well so thank you guys thank you to the Kantu family uh thank you to to your uh grandfather and uh, and everybody that's uh, been a part of that church and that ministry we love you guys
0: amen thank you brother thank you blessed blessed by your ministry and uh, we we still jam we still jam every now and then uh, I'll listen to An- Anelo. <laughs> Man, that was such a great and song. You're, you're, oh, man. <laughs> I remember hearing God, that man. for the first time at a youth convention, and I was like, man, I got to learn yeah. that song. Uh, so just very blessed no. by by many aspects of your ministry, brother. So uh, once Praise again, Lord, brother. thank you. And, uh, you know, maybe in the future we'll, we'll have you come out, uh, maybe to our church, uh, you know, host you. We'd sure, love to we, host you. And, and, uh, or vice versa. But We'll connect one way or another. Absolutely. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time.
1: God bless you. Take care. Much love.